And if they're not banks, they don't have a balance sheet to pull from to be able to make these loans, in which case they have to use the capital markets ecosystem to raise the debt capital they need to finance the loan portfolio and their growth. And so private credit for us in particular, we're allowing and empowering all these borrowers who need the debt capital to tap into capital markets using technology to raise money faster, more efficiently, more transparently. Hello and welcome to Signals by AlphaSense, where we hear thoughtful insights from business leaders, investors, and experts. Hello and welcome. You listen to Signals by AlphaSense, and I'm your host, Nick Mazing. Today, we're going to discuss private credit with Nelson Chu, who is the founder and CEO of Percent, a private credit platform which brings together borrowers, investors, and underwriters. Private credit has been a growing asset class. We have all seen the charts with the banks being disintermediated, I'll never say this word right, by direct lenders. We have seen a lot of acquisitions in the space in the last few months where we have some of the largest alternative asset managers acquiring private credit players to expand their offerings and so on. Nelson, first, congratulations on your Series B, certainly a big achievement in this market. And can you tell us a little bit more about you and about Percent? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So for everyone's benefit, my name is Nelson Chu. I'm the founder and CEO of Percent. My background is a little bit in traditional finance. I think anybody who is doing anything in capital markets, fintech, probably has to have a little bit of a background in finance. Well, I will say, I don't think I learned much about finance when I was in finance because it was the first start of my career. So I spent time at Merrill Lynch. I was the last summer analyst class for Merrill Lynch. So that's a little badge of honor that I own. Became Bank America after that. And then at one point, I had all these people whispering in my ear, you got to go to the buy side. Buy side's better than the sell side. So after a year and a half on the sell side at Bank America, I said, okay, why don't I give the buy side a shot? I joined the largest buy side shop on the street in BlackRock. And within two months, I came to the sad realization that buy side was not better than the sell side. And so I had to basically stick it out for a year and then I quit, right? And so from there, I ended up launching my own company. It was a consulting company that helped other founders build their companies from the ground up. Gave them all the resources to be successful. Had a couple of unicorns as clients that so we grew them into that stage. And everything from product, marketing, branding, engineering is sort of what we focused on. And uh, that was the part that made me go, you know what? We have all these good ideas. We have a good team that knows how to build companies. We have good access to VCs. For the right idea at the right time, we should build a venture-backed company for ourselves. And that's really how Percent came to be. Mm-hmm. So tell us more a little bit about your journey, about founding the company and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I think advice that I give founders all the time is really that that idea you had on the back of the napkin to start the company is not where you end up, very rarely at least. So be flexible, be adaptable, and that definitely applies to us here as well, right? Back in 2017, 2018, when we first started this company, we really set out to build a better alternative investment platform, specifically for private credit. So that was an asset class that wasn't getting a lot of love in that alternative investment universe. And the difference was, for us at least, we thought we could build a better mousetrap we thought we could build something that was much more investor-friendly. Everything else at the time was really offering investments that were very, very long duration, like four to five years, super high minimums, $25,000, $30,000. And the yield was about the same everywhere else, 9 to 16%. And so our thinking was, if we could actually build something that had shorter duration investment opportunities, call it sub three months, lower minimums, call it $500, and the same yield as everybody else, we could build something that would have a good impact on retail credit investors. And that all worked great. Those hypotheses were all totally valid, except for one thing. When we started to do this, we realized that there was zero tech to speak of as us being the underwriter in this space whatsoever. 
So we're building our own compliance attestation tools. We're building our own order book management systems. And probably the most terrifyingly, we're building our own asset surveillance tools as well. And so we thought, man, if we're having these problems, clearly everybody else has got to be having these problems as well. And then we looked at the market. It was over a trillion dollars. And we were just thinking, okay, there's a much bigger idea here to really build the first ever vertical software solution and to be that infrastructure provider for private credit. And that's sort of how we evolved to where we are today. It's been a four-year journey to get to where we are and being able to kind of offer technology that we touted and hoped for back in the day when we first started. But it's never been a more exciting time to be here at Percent. So let's talk about private credit now as an asset class. Why is it in demand? Obviously, the fixed income space has been very volatile after the Federal Reserve started hiking rates. So tell us more about the space in general. Yeah, some big key takeaways, I guess. Um, So private credit is something that a lot of people may not fully understand because they don't interact with it on a regular basis. It's not something you can say, oh, I want to invest in that, right? But the reality is they probably have actually used or benefited from private credit in some way, shape, or form. So let's kind of rewind back a little bit. Back in 2009, 2008, global financial crisis, the banks actually used to do a lot more lending on the small business and consumer credit side, right? Ever since the global financial crisis, regulators came in and they said, you can't really do that anymore. And so if you do, it's going to be a lot more expensive. And so the banks all stepped back and pared back all the lending activity they were doing to consumers and small businesses. And as a result, there was a huge gap in the market. And all these non-bank lenders stepped in. These are going to be like the names you probably recognize, whether it's SoFi or Firm or all these other places, right, that kind of offered unique opportunities with technology to fill that credit void. And that did really well, to be honest, for the last couple of years. And so all those companies are not banks. And if they're not banks, they don't have a balance sheet to pull from to be able to make these loans, in which case they have to use the capital markets ecosystem to raise the debt capital they need to finance the loan portfolio and their growth. And so private credit, for us in particular, we're allowing and empowering all these borrowers who need the debt capital to tap into capital markets using technology to raise money faster, more efficiently, more transparently than they ever could before. And so there's a reason why it's so attractive right now, especially in light of the Fed raising rates for investors at the very least. For borrowers, it's a little more expensive, so they have a whole separate problem on their hands. But for investors, at least, it's a situation where because private credit and private market debt is so much more short duration than public market debt, which is kind of just sitting on the sidelines right now, waiting for the markets and the rates to stabilize before coming back out to market. Private credit has to come out to market again out of necessity based on their structure. And so investors are getting the benefit of being able to get higher yield and more alpha in this environment than they ever could before. And so in our ecosystem, at least, there's almost always like a call it about 10% spread-ish, 8 to 10% between the Fed funds rate and what yields you can expect in the lower middle market segment of private credit. Mm-hmm. And now that's from the investor side. Now let's let's talk about the, the borrower side. How do you help startup small businesses with their funding needs? Yeah, so there's uh, two types of private credit in terms of sub-asset classes, if you will. You have the asset back side, which is more like SoFi, a firm. They have a portfolio of loans. They need to be able to raise debt capital to finance more loans and grow their overall book. And so that is pretty standard stuff. And investors can get access to diversified exposure into this portfolio by a specific borrower who needs debt capital. The flip side of it, which is even more timely now in the wake of SBB's collapse, where there is a $6.7 billion venture debt hole that needs to be filled in light of you know what everything had happened and, and how much they had on their books, uh, is a situation where private companies, startups, venture-backed companies, you name it, 
have the opportunity to tap into the private debt market to be able to achieve their goals, whether it's extend their runway, whether it's grow a little faster, whether it's just buy them time and bridge them into the next financing round, whatever it may be, they'll have that opportunity to tap into private debt to be able to do that. But historically, it's been very, very opaque and very difficult to do. And our software enables them to get paired up with the underwriters and the investors significantly faster and also not have to deal with all the post-close reporting, surveillance, monitoring, whatever it may be that's required from them. And that way they can focus on doing their business. And so we provide a lot of value to all three sides of the market, but in particular, it's the borrowers in this environment who need debt capital more than ever. And where do you see the private credit space going kind of in the next six to 12 months? I think it's certainly very interesting times after the collapse of the original banks and so on. Well, I am 100% biased on this. So take this all with a grain of salt, but still, I like our chances, right? I like private credit's chances here. And there's a lot of good reason for that. So I mentioned back in 2009, global financial crisis, regulators stepped in. Every single time the regulators step in, they end up creating or causing or changing rules that essentially force the banks to step back. And so they did in 2009. They're going to do it again this time in light of what happened with SVB to change the way they operate on a regular basis, which means that non-bank lending is going to become even more important to fill that gap that's going to be created by the banks leading this space. And so that in of itself is great macro tailwinds in favor of everything we're doing here. But on top of that, private credit is just growing so quickly at this point. When you look at sort of how much opportunity is still out there, for example, private credit by Prequence data is about like 1.2, 1.3 trillion. Latin America private credit is like a couple billion. That's crazy, right? There is a huge market opportunity in emerging markets to bring almost like traditional capital markets infrastructure into those regions and transform what happens over there from a financial services standpoint. So we like our chances in the US. We like what private credit can do overseas in emerging markets. And you look at where the smart money is going, KKR, Blackstone, Apollo, all of them are doubling down on private credit. JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs just launched syndication desks for secondaries on private credit because they're making a real market out of it. The beauty of it is for us in particular and for private credit, We help facilitate everything from sourcing deals, structuring them, syndicating them out like JP Morgan and GS is doing, and then ultimately surveillance and servicing of it post-close. That's all what you can do with technology, and it's going to be transformative for an industry that is poised to take off. Now, let's talk about percent in a little bit more detail. When we when we spoke before the call, it's a three-sided marketplace. I said it's two-sided, but it's actually three-sided. And obviously- Don't remind you- me. <laughs> and with with these business models, you obviously have a major cold start problem, right? How do you bring all sides to the table, number one? So, and so can you give us a little bit more overview about how percent works, what happens, why people use it, and so on? Absolutely. And you bring up a really good point. Two-sided markets are hard enough as is. Three-sided markets are just downright miserable. Uh, so you know, talk me through the fundraising process for this company over the last five years, and I can explain why VCs hate three-sided markets. But we knew that as well, right, going into it. And as a result, we knew that if we we're going to be successful, we had to at least ourselves take down one side, just in case, right, just to make sure we know what we're doing. So for the first four years of the company's life, we're in year five now, we actually were the only underwriter on the platform, essentially doing all these deals. $1.2 billion of volume, 400 plus transactions later, we learned and got a really good crash course in how the market works, how deals can be done at scale. And most importantly, what are the pain points, the value props that each side needs, whether you're a borrower, an investor, or even an underwriter as ourselves. And all that intel, all that information was fed to our product engineering teams 
to be able to build software that now faces all three sides. So each side has their own portal to be able to use and transact together and collaborate from start to finish, which is very rare and does not exist historically in this very broken and opaque market. Now, starting in January 1st of this year, we made the philosophical choice to shut down all underwriting, new underwriting for borrowers, right? And that means that every single new borrower that comes on board had to come with an underwriter who was going to do help them bring that deal to market. And that's been a transformational change for us as a company to really become a pure play software solution that we've been kind of hoping to be all these years. So it's been a very interesting process, taking down all three sides one by one. You know, when we first got started, we had a lot of borrowers who needed that capital. We're trying to promise investors that there's good deals here on this side because we underwrote it. And then once at that point hit happened, we had too many investors and not enough borrowers. We had a little step ladder up. We had a lot of underwriters that came to us and said, how is percent you guys doing 400 deals in four years? We did 40. Can we use your tech? We said, hold on, we're not ready for you yet. And now finally, January 1st of this year was a monumental day in the company's life and be able to make that transition. And it's full steam ahead at this point in getting all three sides to work together. And this actually panned out the most over the weekend that SVB collapsed because we had several hundred startups reach out to us and our partners saying they need bridge financing to hit payroll the next day, all those things. And so this was the first test for us to say, did our technology actually work? Like, can we actually do this at scale? And the good news is by Sunday, early afternoon, before the Treasury Department came in and bailed out the entire global banking system, uh, we had you know about $50 million in capital ready to go by Monday morning to support dozens of startups with their financing needs. So it tells you when all three sides are motivated to work together, use technology that can scale, how fast you can actually operate. And that was incredible for us to see. And it means that we're onto something for the, for the next year and beyond. Nelson, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Today, we spoke with Nelson Chu, the founder and CEO of Percent, a private credit marketplace with over $1.2 billion already funded. This was another episode of Signals by AlphaSense. My name is Nick Mazing, and you can find us on all the major platforms. Thank you for watching or listening. Thank you for joining us. This was another episode of Signals by AlphaSense. Keep in mind that all views presented here are the views of the guests and hosts and do not represent the views of their employers or of AlphaSense. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investing, tax, legal, or medical advice. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review and subscribe for more.